This is Lead with a Question. I think it takes a lot more courage to face your vulnerabilities than it is to face your power and your strength. I really do. I really do. And that delicate equilibrium of not letting it have you become a victim, but still fuel that growth part of you is where the artfulness of it is. Hi, I'm Rob Callen. We live in a time when people are seeing that the old way of doing business is broken and that leaning into the future requires something new, a deeper focus on humanity, the courage to let go of power and ego, a desire to nurture the conditions for co-creation, and the bravery not to have all the answers. On this show, I, along with my friends Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen, connect with guests who embody these principles. And whether household names or not, they've shattered the status quo, often as misfits, to shape the future with others and achieve miraculous things in work and life. Today, we catch up with a leader whose life includes so many interesting experiences that it's hard to list them all. Her professional travels have included joining the circus, moving thousands of miles away from her French-speaking hometown in Montreal, Canada, and generally being a positive force for change just about everywhere she goes. But in every season of her life, one question seems to have been her constant companion. How can leaders inspire a sense of belonging? A conversation with Lou Murray on this episode of Lead with a Question. I often use the allegory of um, Guinevere. As um, Guinevere, part of her dowry, brought a round table. And at a round table, you don't know who is at the head of the table. There's no such thing. It's it's conducive to collaboration right off the bat. It doesn't mean that there's not a, a leading factor to it. That's not what it is. But ultimately... It's being comfortable with having the best solution uh, emerge. It's it's very much like the the elegant uh, elegance, right? Elegance is the least amount of energy expended for the greatest result. And if you're comfortable with that, and you don't need to own parts of it, but uh, live uh, in the most replenished way in the result of it as an active member, then you're getting it. And uh, that freedom, but the courage to have that freedom is most probably uh, the most, um, the most stretching thing that can happen to a team. So when we're talking about disruption, that's one of the first things to take place, meaning the recognition that I'm part of something that's greater than me and I wanted to be succeeding. 
I don't need to be right. We need to do the right thing. I'm listening to understand, not to respond, and be able to uh, applaud the forward nature of what we are achieving without necessarily egotistically being at the center of it. If you have uh, leaders that um, are welcoming that, then, you know, success is uh, limitless. Absolutely. But it takes a whole lot of courage. But this is what um, the nature of what is ahead of us is going to is going to be like, and when you're doing this in in a in a state of uh, uh, clarity, you kind of want to say, "Are we there yet?" Or like you know, like, um, "Are we there yet?" And this is where I I call it the urgency of patience. Okay, you know, this too shall pass. Yeah, yeah. I was always amazed, uh, Lou, uh, with your yeah, as you said, it, it's it, it's. And it's a unique gift that you have, um, but that people can develop, right? Which is that sense of what you said, you know, ego off the table, building blocks on the table and, and a, a sense that that's, that's, that's a solid foundation where you're coming from, right? That can blast through politics, it can blast through bureaucracy and, and it brings people together, right? I, and I love that analogy you shared of the, the circular table. It's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, there's a very, there's a, there's a feminine aspect to that. And I'm also coming to that point in my life where I'm able to identify it. I would not have been able to, to speak this way 10 years ago, although I was living it and bringing it, I was not able to put those words to it. And, uh, this is where, you know, um, when we, when we were, we talked about, um, off air, we were talking about the, the idea of beauty and how beauty can be transformational and how through dire times right now, um, we are seeing clearly things that we do not support, but at the same time, we are seeing some examples of beauty that are just, um, you know, lifting us in a way, uh, that is so transformational and, and allowing that is um, definitely uh, a feminine aspect. And uh, whether you are a man, a woman, or anything, any other way that you want to describe yourself, and I accept them all, um, you have to, to let in that uh, equilibrium of that yin and yang thing, especially if you are talking about creativity, uh, you have to step out of whatever comfort zone you have that defines you first and be uh, looking to see how much you can stretch to get to the, uh, the better version of you. And as a leader, you have to do it for yourself, but you also have to be thinking about it in that way for, for the group at trying to to um, always have the DNA uh, evolve to fit with the purpose and the time you're in. Um, the, I always say that 
leaders that have died young kind of got it easy, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> because they live in myth, right? And uh, Chris and I were at, were at Disney. You had the um, amazing people that, you know, really, really, really lived and breathed the Walt would have done this this way. And reciting that thing, while you've got the other group of folks that are going, well, he would have, and he did, but evolution would also have gotten him to look at it in a different way. So, you know, that's why, that's what I mean by when people um, die, they kind of get frozen up in time to answer what that time was. Ultimately, what we need to do is to uh, be able to look at what is ahead of us. You know, we cannot keep aligning the same variables and expect a different outcome. Ultimately, it is about growth, but it's also about healing. Healing whatever has been done in a way that would bring on any pain it's very flowy. People that are listening to us right now go, man, did she have the bit of ayahuasca before? <laughs> no, I did not. But it's, it's also very much part of the, um, of the energy that we need to have to be the best version of ourselves and in, in that future that you were talking about. Yeah. I love what you shared about that. Cause yeah, the theme of like disruption on people's lives right? It's been so dramatic, right? Maybe it's 10 years and a year or two of, of change, right? That's happened. And, oh, to yeah. your, and to your point, it's like, well, like with a transformational change in an organization, suddenly people are thrust into this messy middle, right? Of life and, and career, right? Work and, and leadership, oh, yeah. right? Culture. And they're asking the question of how do I manage all this? Like, what is all this first, right? And, and, and there's these there's this deep appetite or need to unlock or unleash this creative approach to those problems uh, that are very real and raw. Uh, and I love what you said about too, embracing the beauty because it's, it's, it's like, like a startup, right? It's like they're going to go through the messy middle. And if you embrace that, you lean into it and you stay in build mode. Uh, you know, yep. And time and patience are your greatest warriors. The urgency of... Of patience. Of patience. Yeah, <laughs> I even made a t-shirt out of it if ever you're interested because I, you know, I come up with that stuff. That's good. The question, you know, for people in you know, any industry, right, across any space, like any domain, you know, how, how would they go about that, right? So if they're, and by the way, where they may feel like, hey, they, they've established themselves as, say, a traditionalist or they've, they've built their career on expertise, right, or a traditional ladder, mm-hmm. They are in a yeah. position of influence, but maybe they're saying, hey, I've got to be disruptive or else I'm going to become obsolete, right? And mm-hmm. if that's the answer, then I've also got to bring an entire team along with me and we've got to shift all this mu- muscle memory. Like you said, the DNA has yep. got to shift, right? So how, how, do, how do they, how would you suggest, like recommend they look at that, uh, you know, creating that, that kind of energy, right? The kinetic energy from the potential, yeah. Yeah, I think that, to the past two years, because we have been more isolated, so at home, yet we have not 
been as connected as this before. A bunch of walls have fallen. I mean, I have met so many people over the past two years, over, you know, uh, maybe a lunch club or through introductions or which um, it was answering a need for people to still connect within that, right? And um, I, I look at it as the tools, technology, the tools uh, helping you to, to stretch. Um, and if you are seeking like-minded people, you will meet like-minded people. If you are seeking people that are different than you, you will find people that are different than you. I think that when you're referring to the the DNA and and, and having a, a group grow, saying it is one thing, doing the necessary to have the group be learning how to grow, especially if, if it's not part of who they are intrinsically, or looking at establishing a, a group uh, ethos that will make them understand that change or evolution, or revolution, which one you want to take, will get them to be better. And you don't do that by just wishing it and crossing your fingers, right? You need to to nurture and replenish. But as a leader, you need to do it in a way that you are not in control of the outcome. And you have to be able to, to live with that. As some people will resist it, some people will embrace it. Some people will embrace it so much that, woohoo, you're, you know, so it's not about control. From a leadership standpoint, absolutely not. It's about putting in, supporting, and then being able to live with whatever will come out of it. Yeah. And uh, it takes a whole lot of courage to be, to be uh, able to do that. And this is where Chris, Ian, and, and Rob, when we're, when we're using the word disruption. There's a difference between uh, as a founder doing something with a startup and um, an entrepreneur within a company established. Uh, disruption for the sake of disruption, if it's not validated by the top uh, leadership, then nobody's winning. Right. It's, it's not sanctioned. Yeah. And I have been extremely successful at um, making sure that there are no sacrificial lambs within, within, uh, organizations. Cause that's as a leader, that's what you have to be able to understand and, uh, about the vocabulary of whatever organization you're in. Uh, and, and we've, we've mentioned this before and Chris and, and Ian has have heard me say this before. You cannot want something more than whomever the owner or the ultimate deciding right. body is. You can't. When you're in an organization, unless you're, you're it. Yeah. One of the themes that I'm hearing from, yeah, from what you're saying too, is this notion of it's what we, we look at as like, it's the real and there's the ideal, right. And then we have this state that mm-hmm. we're in and 
whether it's organizations as they are, right? And if they're if they're a version of the past or if they're present or more future oriented, uh, I always think of like of the you know that in the X Men days of future past that moment where Professor X is his future version is talking to him, right? He's having a conversation with his future self uh-huh. and his future self says, we need you to hope again. Yes. Yes. And y- y- this, a theme that you've highlighted is, you know, healing the future, right? Well, how do people, uh, first recognize, Hey, there's a future. Right? <laughs> and by the way, it's a bright one, right? And it's a wiser one. And how do they lean into to that? I think you've, you've highlighted some of those themes. I think that, we're seeing in the current market when you read about the great resignation and or you know that people will have left or will leave organizations and always remember that people don't leave organizations they leave people that's what it is um and i think that we've gone from uh, a whole lot of um discussions or if if anyone right now is in the is in the midst of um, looking to change organization or or joining an organization or anything like that, whenever you hear the words, you know we want to see if there is a strategic fit between a, a or you know like uh, if there's a cultural fit or the word fit has gotten me to go like uh uh-uh. I people right now are not looking to fit because fit meanings there's some edges that will get roughed up or buffered up or whatever. Uh, I'm I'm looking to belong. And again, you're going to hear me say, curse and blessing, I've had really the amazing, amazing uh, opportunity to be at uh, present and participating and part of the builders of um, amazing, amazing, amazing organizations. If I think of the Canadian um, Tennis Championships and if I think of Cirque du Soleil, I mean, that's how I started my whole journey. Uh, I mean, talk about effing it up for the rest of my life, man. I, I was in MANA as as far as possibilities and opportunities. And it wasn't about fitting. It was about belonging because the the future was ours in both cases. So when you get to live through that, you're kind of going, holy moly. The, is the rest of the world like that? And then you kind of figure out that maybe not. But then that sets you on a quest for that belonging. And because of that, with everything that has happened right now, especially with the pandemic, if people are wondering why people don't want to go back right now to whatever was, really? You're, you're really asking yourself, why would somebody not want to come back to uh, organizations where they didn't feel uh, valued or were not appreciated or didn't feel that they contributed? Really? You, you, is, that a, is that a question that's going on? Okay. Can an organization be the same as pre-pandemic right now and still be successful? Potentially but in a very focused and, and narrow way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Al- along those lines, Lou, um, I think that when it comes to change, you know, Chris and I, when we approach entrepreneurs, leaders and organizations, when we are engaged in these type of dialogues about culture in general, 
we're, you know, we, we say this time and time again, Chris and I, we're not interested in convincing traditional leaders that the need to change. We're not, we're not going to sit there and pitch them why they need culture. Yeah. Like there there's, that's wasted energy in my opinion. I agree. But our focus actually hits the core of what you're talking about, which is, you know, we have a message with brave core with these meta principles and mm-hmm. co-creative patterns yeah. for misfits. So what you're describing is a misfit. So there's many people in organizations that feel like they're a misfit. They don't feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. So there's many emerging leaders that are misfits. Mm-hmm. So I feel that that is actually the wave of the future, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. these misfits that are, are, are learning how to embrace this flow into the future where they're taking their perspective, their experiences, and they're becoming the new leaders for the future mm-hmm. in this sense of belonging. I loved your, um, your juxtaposition about, you know, fit versus belonging. And I think you, you nail the definition there. Um, that's what the cultures need to cultivate is a culture of belonging. How can uh-huh. people feel like they can contribute, yeah. right? How can we achieve deep empathy together? Absolutely. So uh, I love, I love that take. Yeah, me too. Uh, it, it's really, it's really resonating and it res- resonates so much that, you know, over the past two years, I've, I've had a lot of conversations about uh, joining organizations and, um, when I'm, when I'm talking to either owners or C-suites or whatever, and I start talking the way that we're talking right, right now, um, I can sense a whole lot of discomfort and it's okay. Because to me, I am no longer willing to forego that very, very important part of my DNA. Yeah. Part of what you're saying too, is it's the difference between, you know, talking or saying something, Mm -hmm. articulating it versus embodying it. Yep. Right. And all the great cultures I've been in, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not about a mission statement on the wall. It's you see people who live and breathe and they are, they are the culture, right? The culture is the brand. They are, you know, who it is, you know, and as you said too, like these words, disruption, innovation, these are earned through a lot of hard effort. It's not easy to, to copy an Apple or, or Nike or mm-hmm. right. Like it's, it's hard work to build something like that. Absolutely. I guess with that, I, you know, curious, where do you see kind of those characteristics of the future leaders that they need to embody the most? I think that, um, because you just, you know, mentioned extremely powerful, like powerful examples, like, um, Right now, if we, you know, went around the world and asked people if they thought that those brands that you mentioned were potent and strong and uh, they would go, yes, 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 yes. I would think, you know, the majority of uh, of people, some of them would go, yes, but then they would diss them for their success. And that's okay. We, we get to live with, with that. I think that we're at the point in time where we don't need to focus on power and strength, but we need to be able to come to the table with vulnerability. And, you know, this is where the empathy jumps in. And because the power and strength is uh, something that has been, you know, acquired or earned or it's there. 
how do you get that to move to the next level is by facing the vulnerability. And if you look at it both from a personal life standpoint and a professional life standpoint, if you're a high-performing individual in an organization, that's that tweak that will get you to the next level. Yeah, we have a pretty clear example of that today, right? Uh, Putin, what he's doing. Um, I saw a Wall Street Journal article that it, it was interesting because they framed it. It was said, you know, Putin has failed at innovation. And it, and it was interesting because it was tied to this notion of he's become obsolete as a leader, right? He is positioning himself as this power hungry, empire building person. And that is not where he's focusing on power. Yeah. And that's not where people want to go. Right. It's not where the future is. Absolutely. And it's certainly not. I mean, it's also tyranny, but, you know, by the way, but it's, it's something that is just not, it's not the future. It's not. And um, I think it takes a lot more courage to face your vulnerabilities than it is to face your power and your strength. I really do. I really do. And that delicate equilibrium of not letting it have you become a victim, but still fuel that growth part of you is where the artfulness of it is. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. I think um, when you use the word uh, vulnerability, a word that popped in my mind was creativity. Uh And I feel like a lot of traditional leaders and cultures, they're afraid to embrace creativity. They're, they're afraid to unleash creativity with their, within their cultures. And I think the vulnerability that comes out is when a leader attempts to be more creative, right? And so how can we foster that, you know, in our cultures or the cultures of the future? How can we bring out creativity uh, in leaders that haven't uh, exercise that muscle, right? Well, uh, Chris, you were referring to Putin. I think that one of the most important states that we're in is from a generational standpoint um, with, uh, you know, baby boomers and, and Gen Xers. And, and, and then uh, um, if, if you're a baby boomer right now, you uh, are looking at everything that's going on and you're going, holy moly, this is the beginning of the erosion or a more prominent erosion of whatever it is that has gotten me, myself and I to be in the power seat, to be in the in handling the knowledge, all of it. Right. So when I look at the next 10 years, it's going to be that transfer of um Call it, let's call it power, it potentially could get very, 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 very yucky. Look at it from a crypto blockchain right. perspective, right? And a technology perspective. Um, and, and I think it's even more prominent on the West side of the country, just because of the younger nature of the ethos here. You know, you're just the youngest part of the country. So it, it kind of you kind of flex your muscles um, differently. But at the base of it all, when you look at the technology and, and the smart contracts and the internet of things, and it is really, really, really democratic. And it's beautiful in, in its democracy. 
It's absolutely beautiful. How to evolve in a trustless environment. Yeah, well, because to your point, like these things can people can perceive as threats, right? Oh, Where they'd say, absolutely. wait, wait, wait. So if, if it's web three, if it's this, if it's yep. that, well, that disrupts everything that I've built for so long, right? While, right. Well, but, you know, we think about, you know, the great bands, right? Like U2, mm-hmm. Coldplay, they've transcended the decades and yep. how have they done it? It's what you said, right? They've evolved. They've challenged themselves to do something different, right? To be a misfit, right? To put something out there. I mean, you know, you too, like they had to do a public apology for Discoteque, right? The album, but they put it out there originally, right? Like they took a risk, right? Yeah, and then, uh, you know, Coldplay did one that didn't, it didn't Di- land. Disrupting themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, but yet they have these other hits, right? And, um, you know, I, I it's, it's really right. fascinating where they can, and it's, and the other notion too, that I think you're hinting at is like, there's something beyond, right? Where it's it, the ethos, right? The foundation of principles, where taking the example of you too, I, I heard and I've dug into the story of when they they actually had already had success. They they launched Joshua Tree. It was you know, platinum. Yep. And they were at a point where they they've been successful, right? So they thought, well, what's next, right? And if we're if they're like the the you know not quite the Beatles level of success, but close, it's like, hey, we could they could just retire and be done. And they decided, hey, we're going to go to Germany, and the walls had come down, and we'll get inspired now, right? And they went there. And to your point about democracy, I mean, they thought, hey, there's a notion, but it was too early, right? It, everything, the dust was like just settling. Yep. And it was like this kind of just more of a kind of haunting, traumatic moment, like for them, right? So they're sitting in this room and they're trying to, they're wondering like, what's next for us, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they started with with a principle of, hey, we want to change the world through our music. Now they're doing that. And, you know, they start strumming on the guitar, the edge does. And they had this working song called Sick Puppy. Uh, that Bono wrote the lyrics for and it's about love but just like the pain and you know the anguish of love and and everything and they start strumming and it all kind of converges right into this mm-hmm. in, into the song one right and which became an anthem for for them to, as a band to unite and for in a sense right or the world of people that they would influence to do the same right and uh, I, I always think of that because it's interesting that you know, where, where leaders could step back and say, hey, this new world, like at that point, right, that's the threshold, mm-hmm. right? Do you say, yep. hey, this is too hard, right? The PTSD is all around us. Like there's pain everywhere, right? Yep. So now we're stuck and we've had our success too, by the way, right? So if we've landed that and we see a lot of people retiring or, or checking out, right? Because they're like, hey, it's, it's a new world. And, you know, that may they may be pivoting to something else and that's fine. Except that, you know, in some cases, there's opportunity, right? Um, I mean, I think of what is it? Uh, uh, you know, Charles Dickens, right? It was the best of times. It, it was it was the worst of times. So we have this this paradox, this tension, and there's an there's a window of opportunity to lead that future. And for those that embrace it, uh, you know, to your point, that are ready to not just exercise the muscles, but build new muscles, mm-hmm. you know, at whatever age, right? Um, and that 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 they can become timeless themselves. And, you know, there's, there's, there's something about timeliness and timelessness where you have to, to juggle between the two. And, um, you know, this is where the whole patience thing comes in and which applies to the whole timeliness, um, part, because you can, you can feed something to somebody like avant-garde, very, very, if they don't see it, if they don't if they don't understand it, if it doesn't echo with them at that moment, 
I mean, I'm sure you guys have gone through this before in your lives where you meet people down the line, you know, five, 10 years, 20 years later, and they go, you know, uh, let's say I'll take me as an example. They go, Ooh, you know, you told me X, Y, Z, right? And I, and I don't remember telling him, but whatever, right? They go, they, you told me X, Y, Z, and, nah, nah, nah. and now I understand. And I'm like, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone yeah. has a time and a season, right? I'm like, okay. Super, you know, and, and they repeat it to me and I'm like, okay, I said that. Hey, wow. Not, not, not bad. bad. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's funny. Cause you, you've become like their, you're their, you're their, um, their kind of Jedi on their shoulder. Right. And, and yet you didn't even probably re- like recognize in the moment, right. Absolutely you're just not. sharing, you know, wisdom that's probably coming. F- it's coming from your core, right. It's, you're embodying it already Absolutely. and you're saying something in a moment, right. Yep. That you didn't think twice about, right? So it's like, hey, it just faded. That's that's the beauty yep, of influence, absolutely. right? You you were being influential without knowing it because you were comfortable in your own shoes being who you are. And there's there's power in that for others that are mm-hmm. afraid to demonstrate similar absolutely. courage, and, right? You know, it it while while I'm listening to all of us right now, I'm I'm kind of reliving a a, a moment in my earlier career where I was um, negotiating, uh, while I was over at, uh, at Cirque du Soleil and, uh, I had the, really, it was truly a privilege to be negotiating with our Japanese counterpart and Nakamura-san, I salute you. Um, he, um, at some point after the end of a negotiation and, and everything, he had referred many years before to one of my, um, uh, more senior executive as a samurai to their negotiations, right? And uh, and uh, once everything was was done with 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 my with my turn at it through the interpreter, he said to Mika, he said, Mika, tell Lusan that um, if uh, if the other person was a samurai, she's a ninja. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I thought that, That's um, funny. I thought that, you know, ultimately, um, I, uh, I had struck his imagination in a way that he would be, uh, <laughs> thinking that, uh, I really meant business. You snuck up on him like a ninja. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's, I mean, I felt that at, at Disney. I mean, it's, and it's, there's a truth to this, right? Which is people that are brave in the ways that we're talking about in a co-creative, Hey, we're going to build it right. Kind of way. It's like they're, they're from the future. Right. And Mm -hmm. they are going to be able to make change. That is orders of magnitude difference. We have, as you said too, before the technology, all the technology in place, all the resources and tools at our disposal to create just about whatever we want. Right. People Mm -hmm. can build whatever they've dreamed of. Right. They have, and they're, they, they may have latent passions, right, for what they do. And we, we talk about it sometimes in terms of we call it tier one, tier two, tier three. So tier one being, hey, you're an employee, you're in kind of the system, so to speak, yep. right? You're, or you're an entrepreneur and you've broken out of that. Um, yep. And then the third is the synthesis where it's like, hey, you're a co-creator. Yep. You can do it in, in either context. You don't have to limit yourself, right? And, and it's not getting out of the box. There's no box, right? Uh, so build, Right. Like you said earlier, I love, I love that. It's like, Hey, you have to, you know, it's just, let's, let's get it. Let's stay in build mode. I mean, I I look at my kids and, you know, they play Minecraft together and they're just in build mode constantly. Right. And the game never ends. And you're like, well, is like, is there somebody that wins? No, it's just, let's just keep building. Right. And and we built this whole city. Right. And 
And then I go back and then you go back to, you know, work environment. And, and you know, we have some of that. I mean, we're working, we're doing that kind of culture work uh, in some of the places where, where I'm at, but you find that largely many companies it's, Hey, here's our agenda. Here's our download session. Here's our slides. Right. And there's not a sense of let's build it. It's, it's, it's open space, right. That art. Uh, and, and that's what, and people are ready for that. They're ready to reimagine it. And mm-hmm. by the way, as you said earlier too, they're on zoom mostly at home, which then they're likely to say to themselves, Hey, I want an experience that is, that feels like home, right. Mm-hmm. At work. Craving it. Because yep. I'm yeah. at home. Yep. And and leaders, like there's a big disconnect where they're not, you know, and they're getting frustrated and Hey, people are leaving. Yeah. But you're feeding them the office <laughs> while they're at home. And granted you, there has to be you know, work that has to get done, but it should be a different experience. Mm-hmm. Like that's something, it should be more co-creative. And it, and you have to think about it in moving from, uh, you know, the, the spirit of a place to the soul of a place, which is extremely mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, when you're referring to that further future part, this is where the, this is where the soul comes in. And, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about the idea of beauty. We've been talking about courage. We've been, uh, it, it doesn't mean that everybody will get it, it and it's okay. It, 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 right. it, that's, that's fine. Let's, let's start by, by, by doing it at, at our level with our interactions. And at some point that resonance will grow with whom it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be the differentiating part. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the pandemic has been interesting because I think for decades now, it's been possible for us to find some sort of a stasis where we went to work we kind of kept our personal perspectives or um, kind of souls almost like trapped in a bottle. But then mm-hmm. with the pandemic and then the convergence of work and home and all these other things that were being disrupted, it's like the soul is starting to like fight back against that cap and it wants to be released. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of what I'm hearing is, you know, if leaders can get to a point where they have the, the courage and the trust in other people to be able to acknowledge that soul part of a person, not just technical skills, not just yes. you know educational pedigree, but the soul of the person, then that's going to be what fuels the future. And for someone who maybe in their present circumstance doesn't feel like their organization allows for that level of co-creation, but they nevertheless want to improve in their ability to lead out in those types of situations. What are some actionable things that that person could do? Yeah. The first thing I'm going to say is I'm not telling anybody right now to quit and get them out and like, you know, like jeopardize, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. You know, like huge, huge banners should appear at the bottom of this. Disclaimer. Huge banner. (laughs) Um, I think this is where, when we're referring to corridors earlier on, um, I totally get the the need for utilitarian work to pay the rent and do that. Uh, do I applaud those that say, you know, I'm taking the leap and I'm going, absolutely. 
But I also applaud the ones that say, okay, this is, uh, I'm disciplined. This is a part of my life that's utilitarian. And um, when I'm not there, being my best self within that conscripted area, I'm going to be out there doing what I want to do and finding the channel to be that in order to find that equilibrium that I need. In French, there's a word called savoir-faire, meaning how to do something, right? There's an even, what I think, an even more beautiful expression is savoir-être, knowing how to be. To be. And when you, when mm-hmm. you come to grasp with that, then um, you will know how to be within an organization that might not answer all of that uh, uh, belonging, but without you, uh, losing your health over it. Mm -hmm. This is where you need to navigate and hopefully have in other corridors of your life, the, uh, potential to, to express a different, uh, version of you as a female leader. I've, I mean, there's business flu, and there's friendship loo. And friendship loo is a whole lot of fun. Business loo is a hard ass <laughs> person because she knows what she needs to do to, to make it there in an environment where she's usually different. She speaks with a different accent. And, uh, you know, the line is not that long when I need to go to the restroom in the middle of a board meeting. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Anyways, can't wait for that day. Right. <laughs> and it's okay. And I'm totally uh, living with that. But I'm also choosing the reference in which I'm doing it. When I was contacted by the organization within the the Quebec government to help out the company uh, that I'm helping out as chairwoman of the board, the first thing I said is, could be interesting. I need to meet with the principal owner, with the CEO. Because for me, it's always about people. It's everything. Right. And, um, and I'll let you know. And, um, I met up with this quirky creative guy and, um, what I call fell in business love with him, what is, you know, what is, uh, ADHD and his engineer mindset that has done great things, but there to support the entire crew to get them to go to the next level. And I'm, you know, when I was asked to do so, it's at the beginning of the pandemic where, you know, get those, those uh, electroshocks on to, to get the, the whole thing to, to, to go forward, right? And this is where you, you decide to do these things because of people. Right. Not, you know, that that's, that's all it is. And, uh, it's also thinking that to be somewhere for the, the right time and, and the right purpose and thinking that at some point it will be time to move on and being able to live with that and, and, and facing, you know, that whole abundance 
from a personal standpoint, that whole abundance notion head on. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's all linked, but you can have it in very different realms. Absolutely. Too. Hmm. Lou, where do you think you would be right now if you hadn't had some of those formative experiences early on with organizations like Cirque du Soleil? Um, I, I would most probably still be in Montreal, Canada, and I would not be in entertainment. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I think that Tennis Canada because when we, when we founded the Canadian Open Tennis Championships, there's a lot of resonance and similarities between, between the two. Uh, when I started, I started, I was 13 years old because I spoke English and French. I was working with the chairman of the tournament, doing some translation uh, for him at the time and got to be brought into amazing business meetings that blew my mind. And I know that because of these things, this is what got me where I am today. Think about it. I'm a single woman that has achieved uh, American citizenship and I'm living, you know, 3000 kilometers away from where I was born. And as a woman, having achieved that on my own, I think that in itself is because I learned that everything was possible if I put in the work, because Chris, you referred to putting in the work early on, right? I always refer to the fact that some people, you know, they, they, they look at food and they eat a lot of food and they never put on weight. And, you know, they're like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't put on weight. And uh, not me. I look at food and I put on weight. It's like one of those things. So it's the same for, for work. It was not given to me. I built it. And what I'm most proud of is the fact that I learned how to, and I am advocating constantly for other people to have access to that knowledge. And I'm, I'm giving that knowledge, not for greed. I'm given that knowledge because of out of that generosity, abundance always gets replenished because that's what, um, that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, just having, just us having this conversation right now in itself is one of the best manifestation of, of it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I don't remember which one of you referred to the concept of oneness, put the emphasis on one. When thinking of one, the most important part to remember is that one doesn't mean alone. And this is where people get tripped up. And not being alone also means that it can manifest itself in the weirdest ways, in the most obscure relationships, meaning something that you would have never have thought of. Somebody that is very akin to you or somebody that is so different from you and allowing those possibilities. 
while, of course, you know, keeping your eye on the clarity of things. And usually you get uh, thrown a a bit of noise in there to make sure that you're still there to, you know, wash through it and go, oh, hold on. Maybe not so much, but it gets you to be uh, on your toes, should I say. So when I'm putting all of this together, I am extremely fortunate and blessed to, to have learned a whole lot of things, but I'm also fortunate and blessed to wanting to keep learning and sharing and not in a professoral way or not. No, not at all. It's definitely to, to be part of not only witnessing greatness, but seeing it before it can actually be and believing in it even before the people themselves do it. Nice. And, you know, we were talking about that future self. Um, my name is, we, I go by Lou just because for whatever phonetic reason, but my name is Louise. And in French, you've got the word we oui in there. You've got yes. So I'm a positive person. I mean, it's in my freaking name. So it gets to be there, right? And I think that because of that, I've encountered the most amazing souls. I really do. I really do. This episode of Lead with a Question was produced by me, Rob Callen, with support from my co-hosts and BraveCore founders, Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen. The music you heard was composed by Ian as part of another project he's involved in called Moon Machine. Dave Arcade created our podcast cover art. And a special thanks to Lou Murray for the conversation today and for being the force for positivity that she is. If you want to learn more about the work we're doing at BraveCore, you can check out our website at bravecore.co. The Lead with a Question podcast is a production of BraveCore LLC. Thanks for being with us. Thank you.